Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. This is going to be for the second half of Matthew chapter 14, and also we're going to be getting into John chapter 6, which I mentioned in the last podcast. This also covers some verses from Mark chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9. Remember I mentioned that there's lots of overlap here, so let's go ahead and get started. So Matthew 14 verse 13, when Jesus heard that John was beheaded, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place. Uh, And then in John chapter 6, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias, or the Lake uh, Sea of Galilee, is about 700 feet below sea level. It is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. You didn't know that, I bet you, huh? I'm sure you wanted to know. Uh, Continuing the verse that I just read in Matthew, verse 13, And when the people had heard of him, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Verse 2 of John says, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were were diseased. These people were on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It was springtime around the Passover time, the season of grass and, and flowers. The twelve had been sent out and have now returned. They had wanted to have a private meeting with Jesus to tell of their labors. If the servants of God, while on the Lord's errand, have done all they can to supply their own wants, they are entitled in faith to expect their Lord to supply them manna from heaven or whatever else they, their straitened circumstances may require. Verse 3 of John says, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. In other words, he gets away from the people for a little rest. This was like a zone conference to talk to his disciples about some of their missionary labors. And verse 4 of John says, And the Passover of a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now back to the Matthew account in Matthew um, 14, verse uh, 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. In Mark it says, Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Back to Matthew, it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, or something to eat. In Mark, it says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a solitary place, and now the time for departure is come. In other words, the disciples had become nervous, because in this solitary place there wouldn't be any place for the people to acquire food. Probably by now it would be too late to even go into the village to find enough to eat. In, in uh, Luke it says, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country around about and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a solitary place. Back to Matthew, verse 16, But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. In, Luke, or in Mark it says, And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? Uh, two hundred pennyworth, uh, a denarii, or one denarius, was a workman's daily wages. 
So this is about uh, would it cost about two hundred um, daily wages amount for to feed everybody. Now in asking Philip, when shall we buy bread? He asked Philip because he was from the general area and knew the surrounding area well. It appears most probable that the conversation between Jesus and Philip occurred earlier in the afternoon and that as the hours sped, the twelve became concerned and advised that the multitude be dismissed. That was from Talmadge in Jesus the Christ. Uh, Brother McConkie says, There was a tradition taught by the rabbis and firmly entrenched in the public mind that when Messiah came, he would feed them with bread from heaven. And then back to John chapter uh, John chapter six verse six it says and this he said to to prove him in other words Philip for he himself knew what he would do so this was a test for the apostles Philip answered him two hundred penny worth uh, one penny worth would be a day's wages they're saying it would be it would take eight months worth of money it wouldn't be enough to feed this group penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may may take a little not only is there not enough food here there but we also don't have enough money to buy food for everyone they are outside the city in a solitary place the setting is just after the rainy season and the hills are covered in grass very green and beautiful verse 8 says one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother saith unto him there is a lad here now the lad is symbolic of giving our all in service to God and that when we do our service is magnified to the blessing of all. There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Uh, the barley or the fishes are probably sardine fish. In other words, they're going to be pretty small. In Mark it says, he may have asked how much food was available to confirm that there was none to give to the multitude and to show that the bread he was about to give was truly a creative act only God could do. This was during, or this was done to bear witness in a way none others can, can that he is indeed the one, of, the one of whom Moses and the prophets spoke. This was also done so that Jesus, back again in Capernaum, can preach his incomparable sermon on the bread of life. And so uh, in John's record, we have seven miracles and seven sermons. And so the sermon that he's going to talk about being the bread of life is one of those. Okay, um, barley loaves uh, also are symbolic of uh, what the poor people ate. Not only is the quantity of food lacking, but the quality is also very poor. This shows that when we give our all to the Savior in his work, it is enough and it can be magnified for the benefit of others. James E. Faust said, Many nameless people with gifts equal only to five loaves and two small fishes magnify their calling and serve without attention or recognition, feeding literally thousands. These are the hundreds of, of thousands of leaders and teachers in all of the auxiliaries and priesthood quorums, the home teachers, the relief society, visiting teachers. These are the most these are the many humble bishops of the church, some without formal training but greatly magnified, always learning with a humble desire to serve and serve the Lord and the people of their of their wards. A major reason this church has grown from its humble beginnings to its current strength is the faithfulness and devotion of millions of humble and devoted people who have only five loaves and two fishes to offer in, in the service of the Master. They have largely surrendered their own interests, and in doing so have found the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Continuing verse 10, in number about 5,000. So we know there's about 5,000 men. Um, the 5,000 is only of the men. There are also women and children. The total number of people is not known, but could have been over 20,000. And that's my estimate, just by uh, just by thinking through. 
uh, Jesus said in Matthew, he says, he said, bring them hither to me. In other words, bring the bread and the, and the fish to him. Uh, verse 19, he said, and commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. In John, uh, it says, uh, Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the disciples to the, to the disciples and the, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they could. When he gave food to his apostles and then commanded them to give it to others, he was teaching the order of priesthood government. In other words, and also Jesus is in control of the of the elements. Sometimes we don't think we can accomplish something, but it is Jesus that all things can do for our benefit if we have faith in Him. It was a manifestation of creative power by which mass, by which material elements were organized and compounded to serve a present and pressing need. The fare was simple yet nourishing, wholesome and satisfying. Barley bread and fish constituted the usual food of to, of the poorer classes of the region. In performing miracles, it was not it was not his wont to ask the Father to do the deed. Rather, as evidence of his power and divine sonship, he spoke in his own name, and heaven and earth obeyed his commands. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. The previous quote was from Talmadge. So here Jesus is doing a creative act of causing the bread to, uh, to be uh, multiplied and the fish also to be multiplied so that the disciples would have enough to eat. In Mark it says, And when he had taken five loaves and the two fishes... He looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave to his disciples to set before the multitude and the two fishes divided he among them all. And then in John it says, in John verse 12 it says, When they were filled and had eaten and were satisfied, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Waste is sin. Our Lord's direction to gather up the fragments was an impressive object lesson against waste, and it may have been to afford such lesson that our, that an excess was supplied. Again, that was by Talmadge. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets. Traveling Jews, as part of their luggage, carried baskets, containers for their provisions. The dozen baskets here used presumably were part of the equipage of the, of the twelve. Filled the twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. The broken but unused portion exceeded in bulk and weight the whole of the original little store. That was by Talmadge. Isn't it interesting that the amount of food that they that they take up also is the number of the twelve, and they're going to need that for the day tomorrow when they uh, they're going to have leftovers for for the trip that they have tomorrow. In Mark it says, and they did eat and were filled. Remember the Sermon on the Mount where he taught to take no thought for what you shall eat while on the Lord's errand. Here is the proof that he will take care of his own when needed. And then um, back to Matthew verse 21, it says, and they had, and when they had eaten, they were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So the question is, why did Jesus feed the 5,000? The people were hungry and Jesus was compassionate. He also knew that spiritual receptivity is linked to physical needs and wants. Two, the miracle of feeding the multitude with bread provided an important setting and object lesson for future teachings, particularly his discourse on the bread of life. And three, the miracle was a profound testimony of the Savior's power, that he had power over the elements of the earth because he was and is the Messiah. And that was uh, by Ogden and Skinner in verse by verse. Back to John chapter 6, verse 14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, 
This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. So now they're saying that Jesus was the prophet that Moses prophesied about, the Messiah. This miracle shows Jesus' power over life. By eating the bread of Christ, can one gain eternal life? When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. The Jews had a messianic expectation that the Messiah would provide food and a life to, of ease for them and destruction to their enemies. This miracle showed them that this truly was the Messiah, but not the Messiah they expected. Jesus also brings bread and wine to the Nephites in 3 Nephi 20. Still in John chapter 6, verse 16, And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. In other words, Jesus is still going to stay up on the mount. Jesus finally f found the solitude he sought. He may have spent some time mourning the death of John the Baptist. And so that's he's going to spend the time up here on the, on, the sea, on the mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. But the ship, it mentions in Matthew, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In Mark it says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And in John it says in verse 19, So when they had rowed about five and twenty and thirty furlongs, Though they labored through the night between eight and ten hours rowing across the sea, they only got about three or four miles across the lake. They were about in the middle of the sea at this time. The time was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And then back in uh, Matthew, it says in verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now the fourth watch is between three and six in the morning. Note that Jesus came unto them in the fourth watch after they had toiled for a long time. When we toil against a contrary wind, when our sails don't hold air and all the forces of earth are arrayed against us, and we are driven by the storms of life to cry out in supplication for this help, we always want to come at we always want him to come at once. He sees us, we know that he sees us, and of course he hears us, but he rarely comes in the first watch or even the second. So sometimes uh, we have to wait a while for God to come and rescue us from our trials and tribulations. Um, and so he waits for the for the fourth watch. Sometimes, sometimes it's as Joseph Smith at the great at the moment of great alarm. And then verse twenty six of Matthew. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a spirit." And he and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid." And in John it mentions. Um, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. And then back in Matthew it says, And Peter, in verse, eight, in verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. So as he notices the wind being boisterous around him, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, being afraid. Peter did walk on the water. He had faith sufficient to walk on the water. But, when he, when the, but then he became surprised that he had the power to walk on water. And when the winds came up, he took his focus off of the Savior and his faith failed him. 
We may not be called upon to walk on water, but we can do other miraculous things if we have sufficient faith in Christ. Remember that we have to focus our attention on Jesus, keep our eyes centered on him, and then we can do these many mighty, mighty works and miracles that he wants us to do. In Matthew 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When Jesus said, Wherefore didst thou doubt? What did he mean? He was saying, Of course, I will save you. How could you doubt that I would? So he's not saying, How, O, the, o thou of little faith, because you, you walked on the water or couldn't continue, because he did have a lot of faith. He did walk on the water. The phenomenon is a concrete demonstration of the great faith or the great truth that faith is a principle of power, whereby natural forces may be conditioned and controlled. That's by Talmadge. So then, if, like Peter, we fix our eyes on Jesus, we too walk triumphantly over the swelling waves of disbelief and unterrified amid the rising winds of doubt. But if we turn away our eyes from him in whom we have believed, if, as it is so easy to do, and as we are so much tempted to do, we look rather at the power and fury of those terrible and destructive elements than at him who can help and save, then we too shall inevitably fall. And that was by Farrar and uh, quoted by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 32, uh, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And in John, it mentions, um, and they were, and then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. We should also willingly receive Jesus into our lives. Notice that it also seems that the boat hastened of itself uh, to, the, to the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, and that's by Bruce R. McConkie. Also, walking on the water showed Jesus' power over life, because water is often uh, thought of as being uh, life-giving. Verse 33 of Matthew says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. The chosen disciples had not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost, remember, that we are left to conclude that those so doing were the sailors or other passengers, for the apostles had long since had such a witness of their souls. So there must have been more people in the boat than just the disciples, and they, they are the ones that are saying that he was the Son of God. The twelve already knew that. Uh, verse 34 of Matthew, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, And when they and and the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent unto, out into all the that county round about and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. And now going back to John chapter six verse twenty two, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one wherein his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, and that the Lord had given thanks. The people are asking, since there is only one boat here, and we know your disciples came in it, where is the boat you came in? Verse 24, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, how camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye desired to, know, to keep my sayings, neither because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves and were filled. They are following him not because of his teachings, but because of free bread. 
Verse 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that which meat for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man hath power to give you, to give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? If they are truly God's son, if thou are if you are truly God's son, then deliver the message we would have you tell us. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. This is what he would have you do. Believe in me, believe that I am the Messiah. They said therefore unto him, What what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? They had already received many signs, yet they believed not in him. The miracles we have seen you do. Surely Moses did similar things, and he was just a man. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. We challenge your claim of divinity by asking, What miraculous work doest, dost thou do? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. It was I who gave you bread from heaven, and that bread only satisfied hunger. Verse 33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. But now my Father gives to you the enduring bread, spiritual bread from heaven, that bread of which men which men might, may eat and never hunger again. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. This sounds like the uh, interview with Jesus and the woman from Samaria. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He that believes in me and comes to me and follows my gospel shall be fed spiritually. They shall also find spiritual rivers of water that will quench spiritual thirst. This is the first I am statement found in John. He gives seven I am statements. Remember, in, it says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He says, the I am statement says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Remember, the number seven means complete. Also, Jesus did not say, I am the living water. According to John seven thirty-seven to 39, the living waters are the Holy Ghost. The actual medium through which the spiritual rebirth comes is through the Holy Ghost. Verse 36, but I say unto you that ye, are all, ye have also seen me and believe not. In other words, you have already been offered this spiritual bread, but have refused it. You have seen my miracles, but have not believed in me. Verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Elder McConkie says, Nevertheless, all those among you who believe in me and my words and who obey my laws have been given to me by my Father, and such shall come unto me and be fed spiritually. Yea, the invitation is to all, and none are denied. If men will come unto me, they shall in no wise be cast out. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall, I shall lose no, nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. I should work out the infinite and eternal atonement, so that all men shall be raised in immortality at the last day. Verse 40, And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the resurrection of the just at the last day. 
This is also the will of the Father, that everyone who receives me as the Son of God and who believes that I am the Christ and who obeys the laws and ordinances of my gospel, enduring in righteousness to the end, shall have everlasting life. It is his will that all such shall come forth in the resurrection of the just, raised in immortality and unto eternal life. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven, because I said I was the Son of God. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? How can he be the Son of God when we know he was born of Mary and Joseph? Verse 43, Jesus answered, therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Don't try to justify your unbelief in me, because you claim that my Father is a mortal person. Verse 44, No man can come to me except... He doeth the will of my Father who hath sent me, and this is the will of him who hath sent me, that he receive the Son, for the Father beareth record of him. And he who receiveth the testimony and doeth the will of him who sent me, I will raise up in the resurrection of the just. For it is written in the prophets, and these shall all be taught of God every man, therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. In other words, everyone that hears and and believes the words of the Son shall thereby come unto the Father also, and such shall be taught by the Holy Spirit sent forth from God to bear record of the Father and the Son. Verse 46, "Not, Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. In other words, no man shall see the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son shall reveal him. Only those who are born of God shall see the Father, for no others can enter into his presence. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Those who believe in me and obey my laws and ordinances shall have everlasting life, which is exaltation in my Father's kingdom. Verse 46, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Manna was not spiritual bread. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. So as we conclude this chapter here, Jesus is stating he's the bread of life and uh, that we need to to maintain and to, to keep the commandments so that we have that always in our life. Now those inserts that I've I've explained the uh, explanations that I've given were all by Bruce R. McConkie. So that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.